Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Welcome, my name is Reed, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Gwinnett Church if we haven't met. Uh, also welcome to those of you tuning in online and over at East Cobb Church. We're so glad that you guys chose to join us um, as we're kicking off a brand new series. Uh, we're excited. Last week, uh, if you were with us, we had the chance to celebrate Easter. We, we, uh, we got to look at the life the death, the resurrection of Jesus, the foundation of our faith. And in this series, The Resurrected Life, uh, we're kind of asking ourselves the question, okay, well, what now? What now? Like, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean for our lives here and now? Other than the promise of heaven one day later, what does the resurrection of Jesus uh, make a difference? How does it make a difference in our lives here and now, and what are we supposed to do in response to all of that? Because according to Jesus, his death and resurrection was the starting line, not the finish line uh, of this movement that he was beginning, right? Like uh, he, he would teach his disciples, his followers, that uh, his death and resurrection wasn't the end. It was actually the beginning of this new thing that he was starting, this new gathering, this new family, this new movement. And it was the beginning of their lives lived in response to his death and resurrection. And so what, what are we supposed to do now? Well, according to Jesus, Jesus would teach uh, a number of things that we're supposed to do. He said upon his resurrection, before he left to go be in, uh, in heaven with the father, he said, all right, there's some things that, that, that I want you to go and do. He said, I want you to go and make disciples. He said, go and make disciples and baptize people and teach them everything that I taught you, teach them to, to actually live that stuff out. Actually, also you go and live that stuff out. Like you live out the things that you saw me do and that you saw me teach and do the things that you saw me doing. And, and then he even goes so far in John uh, chapter 14, verse 12, this is crazy, like mind blowing stuff. He says, actually, you're going to go and do even greater things than the things you saw me doing, which is like, right? Like um, if you followed along with Jesus in the gospels, you're like, he does incredible things. And Jesus is going, yeah, I want you to go and do greater things. I want you to go and live lives full of love and forgiveness and peace and courage and generosity. And so I want you to go and live these lives. And so that's the life in light of the resurrection. I want you to go and do these things. But this morning as we're kicking off our time together, uh, can we just be real, real honest that like while all of that sounds amazing, yes, we're gonna go and we're gonna share the good message, the good news of Jesus. We're gonna go and live this stuff out. We're gonna go and live lives that are, that are full and that are full of purpose and peace and joy and all that kind of stuff. Can we be honest? Like that is easier said than done, yes? Yes. Uh, over in East Cobb, yes. Like it's, it's easier said than done. Um, I, I did a wedding this week on a Thursday. We did like young kids today, you know what I mean? Uh, Thursday weddings, they were like trying to get that budget. And so, um, <laughs> hey, they're spending money on the honeymoon. So um, 
So we, we did a Thursday wedding with this awesome couple. And during the wedding, I was reading to them, you know, some, some passages of scripture about what life together should look like. And, and it's this beautiful picture of, you know, what, what a marriage can be and what it can look like. And so, you know, I'm reading about honoring each other above yourselves and putting the other people first and loving authentically. And, you know, when one rejoices, you rejoice and one, one is mourning, you're mourning. And it's like this beautiful picture. And then I had to stop and be honest with them and, and say, hey, like now as beautiful as that sounds and as awesome as that sounds, on a day like today when you're all like looking great and it's all you first, no, you first, you know what I mean? Like I had to be honest with them and I had to say, now listen, this sounds amazing on your wedding day, but this is easier said than done. And all my married people said, amen. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Some of you are like, see, you hear that? You know, like, Right? It's easier said than done, right? And in the same way, when you talk about the Christian life and you read about the things, the life that Jesus has called us to live and the things that he hopes to do in us and to do through us, you read it and you're like, it's amazing. But it also kind of like when you, when you actually like start trying to do it, it's easier said than done. It's easy to like sing about, but it's a whole lot harder to live. I mean, have you actually ever tried to love your enemy? So, uh, somebody went, <gasps> like, what? No, I don't do that. I just sing the songs. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's, that's so much easier to say than it is to do, right? Have you ever, have you ever actually like, like tried to forgive somebody that has hurt you deeply? Like, like, have you ever tried to forgive somebody who hurt you deeply and they're still not sorry? Have you ever tried to turn the other cheek? And I don't mean just like, right? Like I'm talking like, have you ever actually tried to turn the, wait, like when someone has wounded you to continue to lean in and to try to put effort into that relationship, have you ever tried to turn the other cheek? Have you ever tried to go the extra mile with somebody, right? And I'm not talking about those of you that work at Chick-fil-A. I'm talking about like, like I'm talking about, have you ever actually tried to go above and beyond for someone, even though you feel like at the time they're taking advantage of you? Have you ever, have you ever tried to live this? Have you ever tried to live a life of sacrificial, others-focused, generous, above and beyond type of life? Like it's, it sounds amazing, but it's like marriage. It's easier said than done. And so how do we actually do that? How do we live this life that Jesus said we're called to live, that we're invited to get in on? How do we actually live this life in light of his resurrection? How do we live this resurrected life that Jesus said, hey, I lived and I died and I rose to purchase you this new way of living? How do we actually live that out? I mean, is it just, is it just try harder? Is it just do better? Is it just get out there and love, right? Like, is it, is it just work harder or is there something else? That's what we're gonna talk about today. And that's what we're gonna talk about in this series. What does it look like to live the life that Jesus said, I died and rose to purchase you? How do we actually live that out? Because it's an amazing invitation, but it's easier said than done. And so today I want to show you something. I want to show you what Jesus says is the key, is the source to 
allowing us to unlocking our ability to actually live the life that he's called us to live. And so we're gonna, we're gonna take a look at this. And to do that, we're gonna go over to a conversation. It's a conversation that um, happens throughout, through John chapters 14. It really kind of begins even at the end of 13, but it goes through 14 through John 16, where Jesus is talking to his, his friends, his followers, and he is, he's letting them know what's about to happen right here towards the end of his life. He's letting them know about the events that are gonna go down. He's, he's wanting to prepare them for what they're about to witness. And then also he's wanting to make sure that they know what is going to happen as a result of all of these things. And so he's wanting to set them up to be able to actually live this stuff out. And so he's talking to them in order to comfort them and to prepare them. Um, and as you can imagine, because as you can imagine, this is, this is probably a very difficult conversation. Some of you don't have to imagine how difficult this conversation is because you've had to have conversations or you've been a part of conversations or you've been there in the hospital room or at the bedside at hospice where you've had to have the conversation where somebody, you realize that person is no longer going to be with you. And it is heartbreaking and it is devastating. And in those moments, we feel distraught and you gotta imagine, put yourself in the disciples' shoes. This is how they're feeling in this moment. Jesus is telling them some very difficult news, but he's wanting to make sure that they're prepared. He's wanting to comfort them and he's wanting to let them know what comes next. And in this conversation, he's going to show them and he's gonna give them the key to being able to live out all this stuff that he said, I promise that you're gonna be able to do. And so, Sorry, we're all the way back to the start. This is what he says. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. So, hey, if, if, if you love me, like do the things that I've been teaching you. The biggest things that you could sum it all up, Jesus's teachings into love God and love people. Love God by loving people. And so he's like, if you love me, do that. Like, I want you to do that. And then he goes on though, and he says, and he says, and I'm gonna ask the father and he's gonna give you another, another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He says, it's the spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be, after I'm risen, will be in you. So Jesus is talking and he's preparing them for what's next. And he says, hey, like, I, I, wanna, I wanna comfort you and let you know, like, I know this is hard news to hear that I'm not gonna be with you anymore. And I know that some of you were expecting me to be with you the whole time and to set up a different kind of kingdom and uh, expecting me to take over. And y'all were arguing over who's gonna sit at my right and my left and all that stuff. And, but I'm just telling you, like, I'm about to go away and uh, they know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna... I'm gonna actually die and I'm gonna be raised, but don't worry. I don't want you to worry. He says, I'm gonna send you another. That word, uh, another, 
there's two words for another in the language of Jesus and um, in the Greek here that it was written in, there's two words. One is like another that is like different from me, like somebody different's gonna come. And then the other word is another, meaning like someone else just like me. And that's the word that Jesus uses there. Jesus says, hey, I, I, I I want to comfort you even though this is hard news to hear that I'm leaving, I wanna comfort you by letting you know I'm gonna send you another, someone just like me. And he says, they're an advocate, another advocate. That word advocate there is uh, this word paraclete, which means to walk alongside. And so he says, I'm gonna send you another, someone just like me to be with you. And unlike me, because I've gotta, I'm gonna go and pay for your sin with my death and I'm gonna rise and I'm gonna go be with the father. He says, unlike that, he says, this, this helper, this advocate, this comforter is going to help you and they will be with you forever. Meaning they will always, no matter what happens, no matter what life throws at you, no matter what you have to walk through, no matter, no matter how bad you mess up, no matter where you go, no matter what, he says, this, this helper is going to be with you always, forever. He says, it's the spirit of truth. He says, it's my Holy Spirit. Now, this is one of the kind of like if we can just be honest for a second, this is like one of the weird, mysterious things about God, right? The whole Trinity thing, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Who did Jesus pray to when he was talking? Hey, me, you know what I mean? Like, like how does that work, right? Like, um, and, and, and I will, I'll confess, like that's one of the mysterious things about the Christian faith. One God, three persons, right? And, and Jesus is saying like, hey, I'm not gonna be here, but I'm gonna put my spirit in you. And some of that is kind of mysterious. And I don't totally know how all of that works, but let's just like cards on the table. Part of our faith requires a little bit of mystery, yes? Part of the Christian faith is embracing a little bit of mystery. Now, there's a lot you can know and learn and understand, and you should, you should do that. You should learn, and you should grow in your knowledge, and you should try to understand all that you can understand. And you should wrestle with doubts, and you should ask hard questions, and you should seek truth. You should do that, but also just recognize when we're talking about faith, there is a mystery component to this, yes? And anybody that tells you that they've got it all figured out it's probably lying or they're crazy, right? Like, so there's a little bit of mystery to this and that's okay, right? I don't even know how my iPhone works and there's mystery to that, but I use it all the time, right? And so there's a little bit of mystery to this where Jesus is going, hey, I'm gonna leave, but I'm gonna put my spirit in you. I'm gonna put my Holy Spirit in you a helper just like me, but with you and in you all the time. I'm not gonna be beside you, but I'm gonna put my Holy Spirit in you. That's pretty wild. Now, just side note here, I just want us to address this as well, like as we're talking about it. Uh, Notice that Jesus keeps referring to the Spirit as a person and not as a thing. A lot of times uh, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we almost like um, refer to the Holy Spirit as like an it, like a thing, like, like a power, like the force, you know what I mean? Like 
use the force. You know, like, like we kind of treat the Holy Spirit as if he's a power to be controlled or like, you know, like I got bit by a radioactive Jesus and now I'm like, you know, like, and so it's like, it's like we kind of treat the Holy Spirit like this, this magical power, this superpower to be kind of controlled or to be used at a whim. And if you could just, you know, like build your prayer closet large enough and burn the incense long enough, then all of a sudden you too can have the power, right? Like that is not what Jesus is talking about. And that is not what Jesus promised. He didn't promise just to give you some special powers. He said, no, 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 I'm sending you a helper, a person to be with you and to be in you always. So while I will no longer be beside you, which is sad, I'm gonna put my spirit in you. To which the disciples are like, cool, I kinda just wish you wouldn't go away, right? Like. They're, 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 they're like wrestling with this whole idea. Like, ah, could you just stay? Like, could you just not go? I mean, the spirit sounds cool. Sounds confusing. I don't know if I want to share my body. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's like, it's like, wait, like, like what, what does that even mean? Jesus, I kind of just wish you would stay here. Do you ever feel like, like that? Like, 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 man, this would just be so much easier if Jesus were just with me. Right like the Christian life, <laughs> right? I remember talking to high schoolers, telling them to talk about like sharing their faith. And they were like, this would be so much easier if Jesus was with me. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like go to school. Look, I told you, you know what I mean? Like there he is. And so the disciples are feeling that, but Jesus, he, he doesn't let off. He actually goes a step further. He's like, hey, not, not only am I going to send the spirit, but I'm telling you, it's actually going to be better for you, which is crazy. Let me show you this. He goes on and he says, he says, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that, that I'm going away. It's for your good. It's uh, other versions of the Bible translate that. It's to your advantage that I leave. Or another way, it's better. It's actually better that I'm gonna go away. He says, because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'm gonna send him to you. And so Jesus is going, hey, I know that this is distressing. I know that this is sad. I know this isn't what you planned. Like uh, me leaving that whole resurrection thing. Like, I know that that's not what you had in mind, but I'm telling you, it's actually going to be better for me to send the spirit for the spirit to be inside you than it is for me to be beside you, which is crazy. Like what could be better than Jesus beside us? Who could be better than Jesus beside us? Well, according to Jesus, he says, it's my spirit inside us. He says, it, my spirit inside you is better than me walking beside you. And, and on a very, just very practical sense, we get that because it's like when Jesus is on the earth walking beside us, he can only walk beside so many of us, right? Right? And so some of you would be leaving today sans Jesus, right? Like, and he would be coming to my house for dinner, right? Like, and so it's like, it's like if when Jesus was walking around the earth, part of the reason why it's better is just because Jesus is, can only be with, beside 
a handful of people. But if he puts his spirit in us, he's saying, now I go wherever you go, all of you. So part of the reason why is, is that, but Jesus is actually going to unpack here for us just in a few verses he talks about a couple things that the Spirit does for us and in us that makes the Holy Spirit in us actually better than Jesus beside us. And so I want to show you, God bless you, I want to show you a couple of those things that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does in us and what the Holy Spirit does for us. The first thing that we see is just right there in the name that he gives the spirit. He says that the spirit, we just read this, is an advocate. The idea there is a helper. Pardon my uh, writing. It's terrible. Um, My mom used to tell me that that meant you were a genius. And so, hey, so (laughs) I think she was making me feel better. So um, the advocate means a helper or comforter or encourager. Pretty sure I got that. And and so the first thing that the Holy Spirit does when Jesus sends the Spirit to us is that now we have a comforter, an encourager, a helper for all the times in life which require comfort which can we all be honest that there are many moments in our life where we need comfort? There are many moments in our life and in our faith where things don't go the way we thought that they would, where we're challenged by circumstances, where we get a a diagnosis, where we get a phone call that we never thought we were gonna get, where our hearts are shattered to pieces and we need a comforter And Jesus says, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And when my spirit is in you, he's going to comfort you. And if you go read the whole John 14 through 16, you'll see the way that Jesus says that the spirit comforts is that the spirit reminds us and teaches us who God is, what God has done, reminds us and teaches us that we're never alone. It's like a ministry of presence. He says, I'm gonna put my spirit in you so that in the moments where you feel alone, in the moments where you feel lost, in the moments you feel like giving up, you're reminded that I'm with you still. I can remember, um, sorry, um, when my mom was diagnosed with cancer uh, when I was in middle school. And I remember being very angry as a middle schooler and being um, shook, like, to my core. And I remember being annoyed that my mom was not. I was like, what is the matter with you? Like, don't you know what this means? And I remember my mom had a piece about her that I, at the time, did not understand. I couldn't get it. And I remember years later, talking to her as an adult and going, what was that? How did you handle that news better than I did. I didn't get the diagnosis, you did. How were you handling it better than me? And she said, I knew that God was with me. I had the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He was present 
with me. And knowing you're not alone is a very powerful truth when you're experiencing something very difficult. Yes? And so one way that the Holy Spirit in us empowers us to live the life that Jesus has called us to live is by comforting us and encouraging us to not give up, by reminding us that we're not alone. And so Jesus says, first and foremost, he's comforter. Now, keep going. He continues. He says, another thing that the Holy Spirit in us provides for us, he says, when he comes, he says, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. Which doesn't sound awesome, does it? <laughs> you heard that, you're like, oh, that comfort sounds nice. Prove me wrong in sin, right? Like, uh, the, there's a word that they use in other translations there, but it's uh, convict, which also doesn't sound great, right? Like convict the world in regards to sin. That's the way other versions of your Bible will read it. Like prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, convict the world. The idea there though, in, in, in the original context is expose or bring to light the sin in our lives and in our relationships. Expose or bring to light the sin that's in our own lives and in our relationships. One of the benefits of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit will expose, convict, bring to light the sin and the little dark areas of our heart and in our lives. And the reason why that's a good thing, because you're like, that sounds terrible, right? Like he just makes me feel bad. No, like the reason why that's a good thing is because you guys sin, what the, what the scriptures teach us, what Jesus would often talk about, sin kills things. Kills our character, our integrity, our relationships, our peace, our purpose, our ability to live full and free, sin kills that. And so the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is actually uh, wanting to help us and to comfort us and to encourage us and to empower us to live lives that look like Jesus, he says the Holy Spirit is so good and so kind and so amazing that the Holy Spirit will lovingly, gently, kindly point out the areas of your life that are inconsistent to the life of Jesus. They will point out areas of your life that are inconsistent to what you believe. They will, he will point out areas in your life that are dark, that are doing damage to yourself or to others others or to your relationships. He says he will point that stuff out and give you uh, the conviction and the ability to change. And so let me tell you what conviction is not. Conviction is not just a guilty conscience, right? It's not just feeling bad. Con conviction of the Holy Spirit is also not condemnation. It's not like shame on you, you're terrible, pointing the finger. That's not the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is a distaste for your sin that leads you to make some changes. That's what it is, right? So if you're feeling this voice of condemnation, I can't believe you, right? Like that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Holy Spirit is going, oh, you're made for more. You're better than that. That thing is killing you. You got to turn. And it's a distaste for your sin that drives you and gives you new desires to change. 
And so Jesus says, hey, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is gonna comfort you when things get hard. He's gonna help you to hold on by reminding you that I'm with you. And he's gonna convict you of your sin. He's gonna show you the dark places in your heart and in your life and in your relationships, not to beat you down, but to bless you and to free you up so that you can move past those old sins and old temptations that are holding you back. So it's actually a really, really great thing that the Holy Spirit would see those areas and expose them and bring them to the light. And we're gonna talk more about that in the following weeks about how do we overcome temptation and how does that actually practically play out. But, but for today, you need to know that Jesus gives us the spirit to comfort us, but also to convict us and to reveal those dark areas of our lives so that we can be transformed and we can move on from them. And then finally, he goes on, he says, let me tell you what else the spirit's gonna do for you. This is why the spirit is so amazing. He says, he says, I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear, meaning there's a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. And some of you are gonna come to me afterwards and be like, you didn't even mention the gaffes, right? Like, and so there's, yes, there's lots more about the Holy Spirit that you can read about. You can go and read about it in Romans 12. You can go read about it in 1 Corinthians 12. You can go read about the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter five. You can go read about the Holy Spirit all over the place. Jesus is like, there's a lot more I could say, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He says, the spirit's gonna comfort you when you feel like giving up. The spirit's gonna convict you about those areas in your life that need to change because they're actually holding you back. He says, and the spirit's gonna guide you. He's gonna counsel you. He's gonna lead you. He's gonna guide you into all truth. He's gonna guide you into the life that Jesus has called you to live. He's gonna guide you into a life that lives and loves and looks like Jesus. The Spirit's gonna guide you. He's like, you're gonna have a guide. Now, some of you are wondering, how does the Spirit guide me? How does the Spirit like, like lead me? I just wanna give you just a couple ways very practically on how the spirit will, will lead us, how, how we can get that guidance in that direction by the spirit in us. One way, the, the first way is simply the, the scriptures. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you is by illuminating the scriptures for you. And, and so when you are spending time in the word, you're able to see the character of God. You're able to see the things that Jesus taught and did and how he lived. And the Holy Spirit actually like impresses those things upon you so that you will then turn around and live those things out. And so um, one of the ways that he guides is by speaking to us through the scriptures. Now, it's not like, I don't know if, if you'd grown up um, kind of with, I grew up in like a, an old Methodist church. Um, and so the, I remember one of the pastors, he used to always say, now this is your GPS, you know what I mean? Like your roadmap for life, right? And so uh, he didn't sound like that, but that's just how I imagine him. And so, um, but, but it, it, it made it kind of seem like, you know, like all your answers are like right there in the Bible. And so then I can remember as like, you know, a senior in high school being like, which college should I go to? And I'm like, looking, I'm like, it doesn't say anything about the University of Georgia, you know what I mean? Like, and so I was having trouble finding that in Ezekiel. And so, I can remember though, like feeling like that's not how the spirit leads us in the scriptures, right? 
That's, that's not the way it works. It's often more you're reading and you're learning about God's heart and you're learning about what Jesus did and the things that he taught. And all of a sudden you recognize in the scripture an inconsistency in your own life, or you recognize an area where you need to take action because you've known something and you've believed something, but you haven't done anything about it. And so then you don't actually believe it if you haven't acted on it. And so the spirit will impress that on you and drive you to an action. It's almost like, um, like the other day, uh, a great illustration of this, a guy, um, texted me and, and it, was a, it was a morning for me that I was like, I needed that text message. Have you ever had those days where it's like, you needed like some encouragement and you were just like, God, please send me an angel. You know what I mean? Like, so I was having one of those mornings. I was having just a rough week. I was, I was down on myself and I got this text message and I hadn't like posted something sappy on Instagram, like begging for, you know, like people to appreciate me, you know, pastor appreciation day. So like, um, it wasn't one of those, right? It was just a morning. I woke up, I got this text message and I was like, how did he know? Like, how did he know that I needed that? And I texted back and I was like, man, you have no idea how much I needed that. Like, how did you know? And he was like, I didn't know. He said, I was spending time in the word and I read this thing in Timothy where it talked about praying for your leaders. And I realized I'd never do that. And so he said, I just thought I needed to do that. And I wanted to let you know. And little did he know it was the moment that I needed it most. And this is the way the spirit leads you through the scriptures, right? Illuminates something, calls it to mind, and then calls you to action upon it. And so the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you through, through the scripture. Another way that the Holy Spirit will, will guide us, will give us his direction, is through other spirit-filled people in our lives. <laughs> yeah, she knows. I, 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 I was talking with some people. This happens all the time. People will go, yeah, I just, you know, I wish God would speak to me, but, um, but you know, I just, I've never heard from God. And what's crazy is, is that there are a lot of you in here and um, God has been speaking to you loud. He's been speaking to you. You just didn't want to hear it because he sounded like your wife. <laughs> and all the wives were like, hallelujah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Sometimes, or, or some of you in here, high school students, middle school students, some, God has been speaking to you. You've been praying about something. You've been asking for something. God has been speaking to you, but you just ignored it because it sounded like your parents. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit will, will speak is through others. I tell people all the time, oh yeah, you know, I heard from God or God led me or God told me. People go, oh man, what does he sound like? I'm like, he sounds like my wife. He sounds like Morgan, you know? And then after the service, people are like, dude, no pressure, but now you just told her she's the Holy Spirit. I'm like, she's not the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes the way the Spirit of God will speak to us is through other Spirit-filled people. And that thing you've been praying for, that wisdom that you were looking for, that direction that you needed, that conviction, right? Like that, that challenge, that turn here now comes through a conversation with another person. And the Holy Spirit speaks clearly through if we're willing to listen. So the Spirit will speak and guide us through the scriptures through the words of other people that are filled with the spirit. And then also 
And this is the one that's weird. And so we avoid it a lot of times at church because it just has the potential to be weird and people are weird and, you know, we are. And so the, the other way that the spirit will lead us is through, and I'll just call it a nudge. And it's that overwhelming sense that I'm supposed to do something, take a step, act, speak up, have a conversation, extend forgiveness, avoid the conversation, be quiet and listen. It's this sense that we're supposed, I'm supposed to do something right now. Now, like I said, that can get weird because lots of people will say, God told me. And so uh, just, just to know, like one, when it comes to the nudge of the Holy Spirit, it will never contradict this. It will never contradict the word of God. Like God's never gonna nudge you to, uh, to not forgive somebody, right? Like God told me to tell you you're done, right? You know what I mean? Like you're dead to me, canceled, right? Like, like that's not going to be the, like, like that's not gonna be the Holy Spirit. It's not gonna go in contradiction to the word of God. Also, if, if somebody's using this as a pickup line, red flag, God told me to tell you that we're supposed to be together. I'm like, at that point, run. You know what I mean? Like, get out of there. They're crossing. And so, um, and so that's, that's not the way that this works, but the way a nudge of the Holy Spirit works is you get this overwhelming sense, I'm supposed to do this, take that step, have that conversation. I was thinking about this. Um, for me, you know, the, the way I've seen this happen, one of, one of the times it stands out so clearly um, is uh, I, I, I do these, or I, I used to, I don't do it anymore, I don't live over there, but um, I used to do these workouts at the park. Um, obviously I work out, and so, um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm just fighting off dad bod one walk at a time. And so, um, and so I, I used to do these workouts though um, at the park and it was like CrossFit-esque workouts, but it was at the park, so it was park fit, you know what I mean? And so um, that's what happens when you're bowling on a budget. And so CrossFit's so expensive. And so, um, and so I was going to the park to do these workouts and, and, and we would get together with these guys and we would work out together. And, um, and one morning I got up to go and do the workout, but you ever have those mornings where you're like, no, like when it comes to working out, that's how I felt. Some of you are like, yes, that's how I look like that. And so, um, and so it's like, oh yeah, like, like, okay, like I wanted to snooze, I wanted to sleep in and I tried to like make myself go back to sleep, but I could not go back to sleep. I just had this overwhelming sense. I'm supposed to go and work out. And I was like, but I'm like trying to will myself back into sleep. And, and I'm like, I'm supposed to get up and go work out. I'm like, I don't know what that is. So I went, got over there, got over the little pavilion area where we work out and uh, nobody else showed up. And I was like, you know, like, so I'm thinking no way. Like that was terrible. But there was a guy and he was sitting uh, at one of the picnic tables underneath the pavilion and he's like drinking coffee, like reading a book. And I sat in my car and I had this whole like internal dialogue where I'm like, am I talking to God or myself? Like I was like one of those. And I was like, am I supposed to get out of the car right now? Like, is that why I got up? Is that why I had this over, like, am I, or am I crazy? And so I was like, I think I'm supposed to go over there and talk to this guy. And I got out of my car and I walked over there and uh, he's, you know, drinking his coffee, reading a book. And, and he was like, um, he said, 
I will say, hey man, what's up? And he's like, oh, you know, just, just reading this Bible. I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, you know, I got out of a 12 step program. He said, they told me, you know, I need a higher power. And uh, so I'm like leaning into this whole, you know, somebody got me a Bible. I'm reading it, trying to make sense of it. I'm reading in John right now. And he was like, do you know anything about the Bible? And I was like, <laughs> like what? Like, it's like, oh my gosh, yes, I'm a professional Christian. And so I was like, what? It was crazy, right? And I got to sit down with this guy for 45 minutes and unpack the gospel of John and talk to him about Jesus and help him make sense of what he was reading. And it didn't lead to like a, you know, and then I took him down to the lake and baptized Like it wasn't anything like that. It just was a great conversation. And I knew that I knew that I knew that morning, you guys, that that overwhelming sense, that nudge, that uh, to get up and go, I knew that that was the spirit. And this is, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He comforts us when things are difficult. When things require courage, he comforts us when we're stepping out of our comfort zone. He convicts us in regards to our sin and he empowers us to change and to make, make a difference in the way that we're living and acting and thinking. And then he leads us. He leads us into a life that looks and loves like Jesus. And so Jesus says, oh, what could be better than me beside you? My spirit within you. He's like, because if I put my spirit in you, no longer are you just watching me do. You get in on the action. No longer are you just watching me do the work, but now it's me in you doing the work. And so now you're invited to participate and not just spectate. What could be better than Jesus beside us? It's his Holy Spirit within us, empowering us to live and love and look like Jesus. This is the key to the Christian life, you guys. It's not white knuckling it and trying harder. It's not, go be more loving. No, no, no. It's walking in step with the Spirit. It's leaning into the Holy Spirit's comfort. It's paying attention to and responding to the Holy Spirit's conviction and following the Holy Spirit's guidance. And as you do, this is what's so crazy. As you do that, if you will walk in step with, lean into the comfort, if you'll lean in to the conviction, if you'll lean into the guidance of the Holy Spirit, then what's crazy is, is it begins to produce results in your life. And what the Apostle Paul would write is, this is the, the result, he says, but the fruit, the result, that's what, that's what the fruit is, the result of the Spirit and then he lists amazing things. He says, the result of walking in step with the Spirit, what the Spirit will produce in you, not what you've got to try harder to produce in you, not what you've got to white knuckle your way into creating in your own life, not what you've got to try, 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 and strive, strive, strive to attain in your life. He says, no, the result of the Spirit at work in you, as you walk in step with the Spirit, he says, all of a sudden, you're going to see love and joy and peace 
and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He says that stuff is going to be produced in you as you walk in step with the Spirit. That will be a result of, of trusting and following the Spirit. And so the Christian life isn't try, 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 work harder, work, work, work. It's trust deeper. And listen and lean into the Holy Spirit. This is the key to the Christian life. The, the life that Jesus has for us is amazing. But alone, it's impossible. And so he has sent us a helper, his Holy Spirit, to be with us forever and to empower us to live the life that he's called us to live. And this is how we live the resurrected life. This is how we live in light of Jesus's resurrection. It's by the spirit, his comfort, his conviction, his counsel and guidance leads us into the life that Jesus promised. Amen. Let me pray for us. Well, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you don't leave us to figure out life alone. Thank you that because of your resurrection, Jesus, that we can have your spirit within us, empowering us to live lives that look like you. I pray this week we wouldn't live in our own strength. I pray that we would love you and trust you, allow your spirit to fill our lives and empower our efforts and our actions. Um, we confess we cannot do this on our own, but with you, we know that we can live the life that you've called us to live. And that can make a huge difference in ourselves, in our families, in our friendships, in our workplace, in our world. That can make a huge huge difference. And so I pray you would help us to walk in step with your Holy Spirit this week and to experience the resurrected life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.